From jet engines to space rockets, telephones to computers, the world has seen spectacular change in the last hundred years, and the pace of progress is getting faster and faster. From electric cars to the metaverse, drone deliveries to climate solutions and genetic sequencing, we're investing in the companies that are not just changing the world today, but are also shaping the future. The Scottish Mortgage Investment Trust, managed by Bailey Gifford. Invest in progress. Capital at risk. Hello everyone and welcome back to The Advice Show. My name is Chloe, I'm a reporter at New Model Advisor and this week's episode is the second part of a two-part series on the PFS-CII conflict. Um, so I'm sure that by now all of our listeners will be familiar with what is happening. Um, but in a few words, the CII announced in late December um, that it intended to appoint a majority of directors to the PFS board and justified the decision by saying the takeover was um, as a result of significant governance failures by the PFS board. So last week, for the first part of this series, we heard from Branko um, Bielobaba, a former pre vice president of the CII, about the history of this rift between the PFS and its parent body and what it means for the future of both organizations. So this week, we're joined by Petronella West, CEO of Investment Quorum, about the, um, to talk about the advisor side of things, um, because they are the center of this, um, because their membership fees fund the CII. Um, and we're going to talk about um, the potential new trade body being set up and what this conflict means for the industry. Um, so Petronella, it's lovely to have you here today. How are you doing? Yes, all good. It's a very interesting subject that we've uh, got, been really thinking about quite a lot. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I remember quite distinctly the day that it was announced that the CII would take majority control of, of the board um, of the PFS. It was just before Christmas. Um, it was the day before my annual leave started, I think. Um, things were winding down. I thought it was going to be a really calm day. Um, and then I was suddenly kind of jolted back into, into action to report on this. Um, and it was the reaction was really quick. You know, some advisors called it a coup. There was outrage on, on Twitter and the CityWire comment section, a little bit everywhere. Um, what was your sort of first reaction to, to it? Well, these kind of public spats have not been, they're not, they're, they're not uncommon. They have occurred in the past. And um, mm -hmm. I've been in the industry for over 35 years. So I've watched the evolution post RDR into the trade bodies. So it's, it's, it's fundamentally, it's very disappointing that we have to wash, mm -hmm. you know, this dirty washing and the dirty laundry in public. I just, it's just very disappointing and it does nothing to uphold the brilliant standards that financial advisors are moving into and have done significantly since the retail distribution in 2020 in 2012 so you know i feel just very disappointed that people at that level could let it dissipate into something so just so ugly it's very yeah. disappointed yeah and do you think there's kind of different views within the advisor community on the situation or is it kind of the one of the few things that advisors would tend to agree on well i think most people would agree that <laughs> that this kind of public effect of it is um would be disappointing but i think advisors do feel very strongly um and are very divided between the different professional body or trades bodies i mm -hmm. mean not professional bodies but and also that the um there's also a distinct feeling among the advisor community that both the CII and the CISI have exploited um, advisors to their own benefit. That's a bit harsh, but in order to accumulate the exam qualifications, who's got the best accreditation, what does the public really trust? And it's very, very expensive now to become a qualified advisor. And I think it might be slightly out of kilter with what it should, should really cost 
firms to become chartered, individuals to become chartered. And we do need a degree of uniformity here. I mean, the, the regulator has given us a whole bunch of exams to, to get for this accreditation. Um, and it is, it is, it, it is, I'm not sure what it really means to the public, um, but I think the chartered um, quali- accreditation probably carries more weight publicly. So mm-hmm. a lot of more advisors have gone down the PFS route for accreditation and chartered status. And I think the um, CISI, when um, the IFP went up for sale, um, I think the IFP was a great organisation. It was a world accredited a, a qualification. I think it was really valuable. I think it did something slightly different. It would be nice to have both qualifications. But if they've morphed, morphed into one, a lot of advisors feel it's a money grabbing exercise at our detriment. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. it's a very important thing. So I don't think it's quite sorted itself out. So I still think advisors, which obviously have accumulated to the cost, to the benefits and the cost base of both organisations, um, it's you know it's 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 that's that's my opinion on what I think advisors feel. Having said that, having said that, I think the PFS has done a lot. Um, I think Keith mm-hmm. did a fantastic job in bringing the PFS into line with a great trade body. I think a lot was done. Um, so for the CII to kind of wade in like this has done absolutely no favors whatsoever for what I think was probably operating better and better. Mm-hmm. And we are very much kind of still in, in the middle of, of all of this unfolding. Mm. Um, since that first announcement, the president of the PFS resigned. Members of the PFS planning panel resigned as well. Um, we've been reporting on this on all the sort of, um, of, of new developments happening. Throughout all of that, has the CII communicated anything with the advisor community or provided any clarity about moves going forward? No, nothing. Only what I've only, I, well, not that I've seen, only what I've read in the press. I've I've not right. been I've not been private or, or directly communicated as a chartered firm the impact right. this would have on on reputation on risk or anything. Um, yeah. I, I don't know that it's made the public really big public domain. I mean, it's made the financial services arena very public, but but the mm-hmm. public will pick up on it. I mean, CityWire is a public website. People will read this stuff and will see see it and and probably just feel like they do about politics and everything else just slightly disenchanted and it doesn't help us at all in terms of reputation yeah and what specific things do you wish the CIA could sort of communicate about which questions would you want it to, to answer on this? I don't I don't think as much that I needed I mean I've I would prefer to have one um, trade body I mean specific as you as you've, as you've written about in the past the CISI was largely investment professionals and the PFS was largely you know financial advisors and um but you had the cfp out there as an accredited qualification i think that muddied the waters although purist cfp accredited advisors always look down slightly on the cii which i always thought was quite funny because at the end mm-hmm. of the day a good qualified advisor whether they're by exam qualification will eventually accumulate the skills acquired across both the chartered financial advisor qualification and the certified financial planner accreditation because that's what financial advisors do day in day out so what i would have always liked to see and would like to see is a joined up thinking between the pfs obviously within the cii and the cisi and the cfp within it working together and i think many professional long-standing advisors and advisor firms would have liked to have seen that too but we haven't it's clear they're going to keep their own you know they're going to sort of you know, stay in their own in their own domains and their own worlds and not try to look at ways to work across the two. But um, I don't think it serves the advisor communicate community well, because I don't think I think there's 
when you're trying to share qualifications, um, build your CPD, which is required for your um, certificates, etc. It's very cumbersome. It takes a lot of time. So neither body feels like it's really putting the advisor at the front of their decision making process. Um, mm-hmm. And this just clarifies that clearly they weren't because, you know, I don't know what the truth is. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not party to it all. I don't know who's telling the truth, who isn't. Um, it's just disappointing that it just goes to show that we weren't actually at the front end of it in the, in the end anyway. Um, because right, if, if right. they were thinking about the advisor community, I doubt they, much, they would have gone down this route. And how do you think the future of the relationship between the CIA and the PFS will um, what kind of impact the profession? I think you mentioned something about about reputation. Do you think this has really negatively impacted it? The, this kind of really public display of, of conflict. Well, what what I think is slightly worrying is that as the PFS carved itself out over the last twenty years, and I've been a PFS member for I don't know twenty five years, you know, and I think the PFS has grown as the industry has grown and you know all credit to them with the ro1 to 6 qualifications adding on new qualifications you know the case studies which are a better way of testing candidates for um, their ability to look at case studies and i think the pfs has really grown and grown into something which is i think we can all you know it may be expensive and i don't like the cross way with fees with the, with the dual organizations but i do think that um, it was running well on its own. So you then got to say, to, well, if it was running so well and there were more accredited firms and what was it that the PFS did that put the CII's nose out of joint or was the CII, is, is it true that the CII wasted a lot of money on vanity projects and didn't, didn't look at their own shop, you know, and then saw the PFS as an opportunity to recover their own poor management I mean, again, you can only it's only what somebody says, isn't it, in terms of that. But equally, I think it's it's worrying that the CII, which covers a whole range of different parts of the whole financial services industry, feels the need to meddle in something that I think was working quite well. Mm-hmm. So you've got to think what you've got to wonder yourself from my perspective, what's the undercurrent that's going on there? Yes. Is there something we yeah, don't yeah. know? You know, and this is the thing about whether, you know, in today's world with social media, fake news, who do we trust? Who do we believe? But all it is, is it, it comes across from both parties as a total shambles. I mean, the way the PFS and the president did her resignation again, but obviously out of you sense her sheer frustration. But equally, mm. you know, why they couldn't, why, just, why couldn't they resolve that in behind closed doors? Right, right. So do you think this is the kind of thing that, you know, in a year, in two years, we'll suddenly have so much more information on and we'll be able to, to see it from, <laughs> with, with hindsight and, and we'll see so many things that weren't really coming out at that time when it was unfolding? Well, you know, we live in a day and age where um, there's a lack of trust in everything, isn't there? From politics to mm-hmm. financial services, to the banking crisis, the financial crisis, you know, and there's a lot of economic fear right now. The consumer is frightened. The consumer is scared. Yeah. You know, there's world economic politics, there's bad news, there's inflation, cost of living crisis, poverty, war. You know, there's a lot of terrible things for the consumer who's worried about his money. Can I send my kid to school? Can I feed and warm my house? Do I have enough money to retire on? What? About, how is the big impact of inflation? I need to talk to an advisor. I need to talk to an advisor. There's a decreasing number of registered advisors. There's a decreasing number of registered independent firms. Um, the big guys are taking over. Um, you know, there's a lot of domination in the consolidation sector. And the PFS, you know, I think stood stood for those sort of small independent firm. But from the consumer's perspective, 
building reputation for the financial advisor community was just essential and key. And what the CII, the impact this has had, it said I'm not apportioning blame, but what the impact it's had is that it's damaging that. It's damaging the reputation. If the very people that are there to uphold the professional standards of the organisation behave unprofessionally, what does that say for the whole industry? Mm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you would hope that in time, you know, a bit like chartered accountancy, chartered surveyors, there's one professional body. Obviously, you've got certified accountancy route, which is seen as a sort of, it has less accreditation than the chartered accountancy path. And you need lower qualifications, exam qualifications, university degrees, whatever. And I think the um, financial financial planners, advisors of the future, we, the new ones we want to, 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 to bring into the industry, and we desperately need to bring new people in, fresh, fresh young, bright, students graduates you know school leavers to want to be financial planners might look at this and go yeah but they haven't really got their act together have they at the top end of the tree am i entering a, 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 a an industry which mm. you know which has all this infighting so reputationally from individuals looking you know my young i'm training graduates all the time to come into the industry they go to the cia's website or the cisi's website exam qualifications and then you hit the news stories and you're like what's all this about then mm. so i think i think I would really hope they can close this down really efficiently and without any more muck spreading that doesn't need to happen. And I think in the future, I think the CII needs to take a long, hard look at what the PFS is actually doing for financial services and the consumer as a whole. Because at the end of the day, we're here for one purpose, and that is to serve our customers, you know, and to make people have the lives they want to leave, the financial independence they want, the freedom they want, free of debt, free of their mortgage, live the life they want to live. And you've got financial planners able to do it, but not if it's, you know, it, to, to bring new firms through. They're, they're going to look at this and think, well, you know, why is the industry like that? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, my prefer, preferred route would be that we had one trade body that encompasses all the different exam qualifications. And if we have to have two, there should be good um, networking between the two, allowing cross-qualification to lead to the chartered, to chartered qualification um, you know, what does it mean to be chartered? You know, what does it mean to be mm. certified? And you can't just be certified or chartered by exams alone. Nobody should be. I mean, it's much more than that when you're dealing day to day with people's personal finances. You know, you, Chloe, would want someone that you're talking to to be of the highest possible caliber and knowledge to give you the right advice. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you want and confidence so what... in that. Yeah, yeah. And um, so what do you think about this idea, the, the rumours about a new trade body? <laughs> well, I would think that inside both organisations, the CISI, the CFP, um, and within the PFS and the CII, you would think we didn't really need to rip it up and start again. I mean, mm. you know, <laughs> take one look at the NHS. How do you unravel 75 years of complexity and politics and look what the mess they've made of it all? Do you start all over again? You can't. It's yeah. too big. You're dealing with 5,000 firms, 27 advisors, and then and that's not even including all the investment people. You know, I there are enough people that I, I know who are working as advisors who are working within the, the PFS or within the CISI to give this thing a, a good a good work, a, a, to make it work. We have enough. There's enough within that. And why rip it up and start again? 
I mean, you're not going to you're not going to break the Chartered Institute to CII, are you? The Chartered Institute of Insurance. You're going to want to have that chartered accreditation. You can't create a new chartered body. Well, maybe you can. I don't know. But what about all the costs right. of that? And then what happens? What's gone before it? And all the exams? And is it going to be all the exam qualifications? And you know, the FCA recognises many of these exam qualifications from both bodies. The exams are essential for your um, for your accreditation, for your regulatory status. You know, SMCR means that boards of directors and company owners like me and many others need to, you know, we're on the firing line. So we want to be sure that what our what our our graduates and, and, and advisors are doing are getting exams from the right qualifications. And these have been around for 30 years. You know, they, they work. <laughs> so mm. starting it all over again seems to me like a complete waste of money. But you would need to make sure that the people you've got cross pollination between the good people on all of it that can bring it together, you know, with a mediator in place, knocking their heads together, saying, for goodness sake, behave like adults. <laughs> mm, right, um, right. I think there's enough good stuff there to salvage if people could just, you know, but there's, it, it, it does, doesn't it shriek to you that it's a money-making machine? If, if you ha- don't have one, you have two, you can charge more for the exam. That's what, you know, being sceptical, that's what yeah. kind of worries me in all of this. Uh, do you reckon that this idea of um, of creating new trade bodies kind of throwing out the baby with the bathwater as well? Slightly, saying, like, yes. Wouldn't... I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't okay. see why we need to do that. There must, there's enough good stuff in there not to have to resurrect and start it all again. And remember, with all these things, new websites, new documentation, new this. Who's going to agree to do that? Who's going to agree to do that? Whereas we've got a set of exams, we've got a set of of, of routes and paths for advisors to follow. There's training courses, events. I mean, there's so much good stuff in there. There's so much good stuff in there. Um, you know, people can be very cynical about it all, but at the end of the day, we want to get the qualifications. We need our advisors to get qualified. We need our staff to follow those accreditations. So, so I think it would be a real shame to just ditch it all. But if, from my understanding, people have tried in the past to resurrect mm. things you know advisor communities have got together and said let's try and do something else you've got the institute for financial well-being and you've got other kind of offshoots which are more focused around the softer side of financial advice as opposed to the hardcore exams and you need to take a bit from all of it because all of it works together to create brilliant financial planners and that's what we want for the future that's what the industry wants that's what the regulator wants good people doing the right things right and so would you say that the way forward should then be an sort of independent mediator being involved in in settling this, this dispute? Well, it works in divorce. It works in business. It works in many, many, many organizations bring in mediators to spend some time looking at what the problem is. I mean, I say that slightly reservedly because it's not like an independent government inquiry into why this happened and that happened. You don't just want a bunch of quangos being created, spending money and time. But I think there are enough good people in the CIS, CII, the CISI, the PFS, or even just those two together to say, listen, let's just get everybody back in the room and let's try to find a mediated solution through all of this, which doesn't mm. involve mudslinging, slander, um, bad humour, bad, poor reputation, you know, reputation damaging. I just think it, 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 it's, it's a really a shame. And there are professional people that do this. I did it in my own business. I did it in my divorce. Um, I've done it for clients. I've done it as a governor in school fee reconciliation. You know, mm-hmm. there's ways to do use mediation to come to an equal outcome. I I always like the um, Stephen Covey's seven habits of highly effective people. And one of his is win-win. And win-win 
always means someone has to compromise and compromise is always the best solution. So if you can get people in a room, agree to compromise, then perhaps there's a way through this. Do you think people at the PFS and CIA would be open to that then? I don't know. I've hopefully, met one or two. Hopefully. <laughs> I've met one or two. I know Branko. I I didn't hear his his first sign. Unfortunately, I didn't see. I didn't hear it. But I know Branko. I think he's a very um, level-headed individual. And um, you know, I know. Um, um, I can't think it was the financial walker, but I can't remember what his name. But the, he's been sitting on the board. I don't know the president. I do know Keith. You know, I think there are some good people out there who care about the industry, who care that we get a good outcome. But somehow when damage has been done, it's difficult to get over the hurt. And, you know, it's a, it is like a divorce. But in, in any divorce, the best thing to do is to put the thing that most important in the middle, which isn't always about the money or who gets the most. It's about trying to reach a compromise so that you can come to a happy conclusion that isn't going to make yeah. everybody happy, but is going to make the majority and be a good outcome for the industry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so hopefully all of this comes to a resolution fairly soon so people can go back to, to focusing on, on what's important then. Yeah, and you know what's important is having a recognised um, achievement of accreditation for chartered status or certified status that advisors can follow as they become qualified and more experienced to deal with our, you know, massive UK savings gap. I mean, it's massive. Um, as a, a, a discussion forum recently where we, you know, if we could get it from eight to 35, it would be a miracle because then we'd be like the States. If we could just get the savings gap from eight to 12. Um, some people say to me, there is no savings gap, but there's still a lot of people who are never going to retire on enough money. So there must be some kind of a problem somewhere. So, you know, yeah. what you want is you want individuals like me and my firm and advisors and the many firms that are like investment quorum to be able to help as many customers as possible. But if you, price them out, make it difficult. I mean, the regulatory fees for any financial advisory firm are astronomical. Regulatory mm. fees, professional indemnity insurance, chartered status, compliance costs, consumer duty. It's all there for a reason um, because we didn't do it right the first time around. But the last thing we need is this. Yeah, yeah. Well, this feels like a good note to, to end on. <laughs> um, so, Petronella, thank you I hope so I don't much. get trolled on the back of all of this. <laughs> Hopefully not. I think you'll be fine. <laughs> um, but thanks so much for taking the time to, to chat to me today. It was really interesting to get your insights on, on the whole situation. Um, well, thank you for taking the time to, to speak to get both sides of the community, because I think it's really important to get both sides. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, if you want to get in touch about this episode, um, not trolling Petronella, of course, just to get in touch, to say nice <laughs> things about it. Uh, we're on Twitter, at New Model Advisor, or you can get in touch with me directly. Um, I'm cmelly m-e-l-e-y at citywire.co.uk um, thank you very much and we'll see you next week from jet engines to space rockets telephones to computers the world has seen spectacular change in the last hundred years and the pace of progress is getting faster and faster from electric cars to the metaverse, drone deliveries to climate solutions and genetic sequencing, we're investing in the companies that are not just changing the world today, but are also shaping the future. The Scottish Mortgage Investment Trust, managed by Bailey Gifford. Invest in progress. Capital at risk.